Hey, this is Bailey. And this is Larry. And we wanted to take a moment to talk to you about Giving Tuesday. Giving Tuesday is November 30th this year. We would like to ask you to please consider donating to the I Am Somebody podcast. In its short time, the I Am Somebody podcast has made a significant impact on people throughout Hancock County and across the country. Your donations will help with equipment upkeep as well as adding new capabilities like video recorded sessions. To learn more about how to donate, please visit our Facebook page or our website at focusrwc.org. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the I Am Somebody podcast, a collaborative project with Focus Recovery and Wellness Community, NAMI Hancock County, and LGBTQ Spectrum of Finley. In this podcast, we'll hear stories of recovery from mental health conditions, substance use, and trauma. We'd like to let you all know that the subject matter of this podcast may be challenging to some listeners. The views and opinions expressed in the I Am Somebody podcast are those of the individuals being recorded and do not necessarily reflect the official policies or positions of Focused Recovery and Wellness Community, NAMI Hancock County, and LGBTQ Spectrum of Finley. Stay tuned after the podcast for resources if you're in need of mental health, substance use, or trauma services. I Am Somebody. 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 I am Sam and I am somebody. Welcome to I Am Somebody. I'm Larry and I'm here with my co-host Bailey. Hello. We have Sam joining us today to share their story. How are you doing today, Sam? I'm doing really well. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for asking. Good. Larry, how are you? I'm doing good, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, so why don't we start with you just kind of sharing a little bit about yourself so we can kind of get to know you a little bit. Sure. Uh, so like Bailey said, my name is Sam. Um, I was a University of Finley student in the social work program. Um, I interned at Focus in the great year of 2020. Um, I also worked at Hope House for a little while. Um so I'm from Akron originally, so I'm not a native Finlier, but um, I love this town and I love everything that um, the nonprofits and you know what this town stands for. Um, so I'm really happy to be back. That's awesome. awesome. Yeah. <clears throat> Great positive review of Finley, Ohio. I love it. <laughs> Which um, not many. <laughs> <laughs> and aware of it. <laughs> Even better. Oh, yeah. So um, what are you hoping comes of sharing your story today? Um, one of my favorite phrases that I've learned over the last few years is turning pain into purpose. And I would love for anyone who listens to this and hears this story and other people's stories to realize that you know, whatever they're going through, they can turn around and turn into something meaningful and something purposeful and change, you know, their their outcomes or the outcomes of people that they care about. Cool. Very, very cool. <clears throat> so wherever feels right for you. Okay. Go ahead and start. We are here to listen. All right. Um, so my story kind of begins in 2013. Um, I was 15 at the time. Um, my grandfather had just passed away in February and a couple weeks after that, my brother had a bowel perforation and almost died. Um, so he like rushed to the hospital. The first surgery went fine. Um, they you know they got it they took out a bunch of his intestines like all this stuff and like two days later he had another one and they couldn't figure out why or how and basically a bowel, perf bowel perforation is just a tear in your intestines mm -hmm. and so everything's leaking out and into your system and it's just no good so um they don't understand how he got the first one or the second one because he wasn't eating anything he was just um like in the hospital he was eating was like jello so like that can't tear your your intestines or anything so it was just a really weird situation 
Um, but he made it out. He ended up with like a colostomy bag and a huge scar down his belly. And it was just one of those like medical traumas. Like it was so much for him to take in. And it was just so much for all of us to deal with. Um, and then also during that time, his fiance developed uh, schizophrenia. So he was like just laying on the couch for days because he can't do anything. And she's going through psychosis, you know, whatever you want to call it, um, you know, trying like she's hearing voices she's hearing him you know say that he wants to kill her so she has to kill him and like all this stuff and it was just a wild time so she ended up leaving him and um getting she got help he moved back in with us um and we didn't realize it at the time but looking back at it we now know that he was heavily addicted to Dilaudid in the hospital. And because he would sit there and he would wait for the timer to run out and he would do it all at once. And we were just like, well, yeah, you know, he's in a lot of pain. Makes sense. Whatever. Um, So looking back, we really realized, you know, that it started a lot earlier than we thought. Um, So he, when he was living with us and we were kind of taking care of him and a couple of years go by, um, you know, he moved back out. Everything was kind of back to normal. And then 2014, like around September, he admitted to us that he had started using heroin in February of that year. So about a whole year after everything had happened he had he was tired of um going to the hospitals because they put him on like a blacklist and as a drug seeker and um all these different things so he couldn't get pills he didn't want to buy them off the street anymore because they were way more expensive so somebody that he was buying from just said we'll just try heroin it does the same thing times 10. so he was like i don't know i've you know i've I've only ever smoked pot, like, I'm not done some hallucinogenics, like, I'm just not that kind of guy. And he was like, we'll just try it, like, you know, no, you know, nothing bad can happen from this. And um, so he, he tried it, and he didn't get hooked immediately. He had this weird um, Chinese proverb that he learned from William S. Burroughs that said that if you only used opiates every three days, you wouldn't get hooked. So he did that. And from what he told us, he didn't. He would only, excuse me, use every three days. And um, he, he felt that it was taking over him, so he quit. And when he quit, then he was like, oh, well, I can get clean, so I'm not addicted. So then he started doing it every two days, and then every day, and then constantly so we didn't know because he always struggled with depression he always struggled with you know anxiety really bad so him coming over you know kind of sweaty and jittery wasn't like totally out of the norm we were just like oh he's just you know he's been through a lot he's going through a lot it's okay um so then around september um he finally admitted to us that he had been using heroin and my parents went into like panic mode. Um, you know, that wasn't something that happened to middle-class white people in Richfield, Ohio. Right. That wasn't something that we knew anything about. You know, my parents had worked in the hospitals in downtown Cleveland, and so they saw it, but it was a racial thing they always thought you know it's like oh it's it's african-american people that do these drugs it's not you know white people it's not our people and so they had that mindset for a long time of like i can't believe this is happening to us very woe is me like oh this is so embarrassing this is so awful and mean and so like they send him to rehab he stayed 30 days i think came back we later found out he overdosed that same night that he came home um we did everything wrong (laughs) now that we know um 
like we didn't like there was no education for us either mm-hmm. they didn't tell us anything like they were just like okay he's coming home like now what like what do we do with him right so we let him go back to his apartment we let him go back to talking to his old friends like you know nobody told us like you kind of have to drop all that you have to change your life completely to get away from this granted i don't think he was really ready to be done with that um but we certainly didn't help by just putting him back into his environment so everything is very hindsight is 2020 it's just so like we just feel so dumb now that um we didn't see the signs we didn't know what to do we didn't understand but at the same time 2015 um everything just kind of started and um with like the opiate epidemic and everything like that it was just totally new to us it was totally new to the area it was totally new to the world real or the united states at least for this to be happening so we just didn't know what to do um so then he was kind of struggling with finances again and um so we brought him back home he was living downstairs and things were going really well he and i were getting uh, more acquainted than we had ever been in the past um I was 16, he was 25, so we're pretty spaced out. We're about eight years apart. Mm -hmm. So by the time that he was, you know, like a teenager, I was still a kid, and you don't want to hang out with your little sister. So um, we were never, like, super close. We got along okay, but um, in that time, we got really close, and um, which was amazing, and then it sucked. So... Um, April 3rd, 2015, um, we had been out to dinner and his boss called and said, Hey, um, Josh hasn't come in yet. Um, he usually calls if he's going to be late or if he's going to work from home. Can you like go check on him? What's going on? So we go downstairs and he's, he's blue. He's, his blood is pooled in his hands, his belly. He's hunched over. There's a needle uh, sitting next to him. Both my parents, like I said, are medical people. So they just kind of looked and were like... They knew right away. Yeah, we were just kind of like, oh, all right. My, I don't remember a whole lot of what happened. I know my mom screamed. Uh, my dad just kind of sat there and patted his head and just said, oh, no, buddy. Oh no. And um, we just kind of, I, I don't know, it's a, it's a huge blur. The next thing we know, like EMS is coming. My, my parents are um, very Catholic, so uh, they called the priest to give him his last rites. It was a, a very long process. Um, so they came to the house, and because our Richfield is a very small town, everybody kind of knows us so a lot of emt people that um they heard our name come over the radar and they were like all these people were coming to our house it was super overwhelming but as i like i said it's a total blur still like it was just kind of a like i don't know what's going on we're just gonna get Mm -hmm. through this right now and we'll deal with it we'll process this all later so um it was easter weekend so april 3rd of that year was good friday and so easter was coming and we my family always hosts all the holidays because i'm perpetually the youngest and (laughs) the rule in the family is whoever has the youngest that's whose house we go to so we always for the last 30 years my parents have been stuck hosting every holiday yeah what a rule (laughs) every birthday like everything so um we're like well like what do we do now like easter's tomorrow like like how do we tell our family like what do we do so i remember my parents making all these phone calls and like i told a very select few of my friends 
our family knew that he had been using but for the most part it was very hush hush and like we didn't like my parents friends from church or their uh, work colleagues really didn't know and um so it was very uncomfortable especially for my dad to call and say you know my my son just died like i i won't be into work for a week or whatever and um calling my school and telling them which was the whole ordeal and um most of my teachers were you know very like oh my god like just do what you can like just get through the year it's fine but a couple of them were like i don't see why you can't get your work done and i was like excuse me (laughs) i was like are you are you serious and they're just like i don't see the problem here and i was like okay so anyway um that's a different long (laughs) long story of my high school career um so you know we're going through all these processes and you know my parents that whole week i don't remember i know my family flew in from all corners of the u.s and there was food and people and people from his work were stopping by and we were like how do you know where we live <laughs> like, <laughs> we were like how did you find us and um you know just all these people came out and you know we really realized of the life that we didn't know he had you know he was very family oriented and we didn't really realize that he had you know so many people that cared about him so it was <clears throat> really good to see but also like really sad to see because it was just like well, you know all these people are here and he's not so um as time went on me and my mom just took a dive for the worst depression wise grief is a terrible terrible thing it's just it wipes you out of every just everything that you have in you it just goes away and so we and my dad is just like hmm. no i'm gonna go to work i'm gonna go home go to work go home and still he's just like like do you feel anything <laughs> like what is like what's going on and he's just like and he'll just be like i miss him and we're just like okay so um and, and I know he misses him and I know he cares and everything. It's just me and my mom are very emotional and he's just kind of like, yeah, it is what it is. And it's just like, okay. <laughs> so very different. Yeah. Very different. So it's good because, you know, he keeps us in check and he checks on us and makes sure that we're okay and we're doing all right. But at the same time, we're like, can you cry? Like, like, can you show some sort of emotion, please? And we did realize that he would, when he would go outside, that's when he would cry and let it out. And, um, and we were like, you can, you know, you can be emotional in front of us. Like, we don't care. Like, you know, your whole family is emotional. Like everyone else is crying in front of everybody. (laughs) Like it's okay. Um, so, you know, we go through the funeral process and everything and, we go back I went back to school my parents went back to work just kind of plugging along um and then I was graduating the following year in 2016 and my plan had always been vet school I was going to go to the University of Finley for pre-vet and I was going to be a vet and then this happened and I was like well now I need to save everyone in addiction And when I say everyone, I mean everyone. I had this plan in my head that I was gonna become a geneticist and I was gonna find this missing gene that is somehow a component in people with addictions. Mm -hmm. And I was gonna find that gene and I was gonna find a, make, make a medication, make an injection, make something that destroyed it so that this would never happen to anyone again. And that is ridiculous. So I applied to Finley for, I think, like a biology degree and um, talked to advisors, talked to everyone. I was like, this is what I want. This is what I want to do. In high school, I did, you know, okay in 
sciences and biology. So I felt confident that I could do this. And um, I took my first biology class and I got an F. And I was like, oh, uh oh, <laughs> uh, maybe not. And so I luckily I had a great advisor and um, he was like, what at the root of it, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to help people in addiction and I want to help their families because this is the worst possible thing that I can imagine happening to anyone. And he was like, okay. And I was like, so maybe psychology, maybe nursing. And he was like, no, social work. And I was like, social work? No, I want to make money at some point and he was like he was like same he was like listen he was like just go talk with the professors over there and if you don't like it we'll go we'll look at psychology and I was like okay so I went in and I met Robin Walters Powell and Megan Gagnier and I sat down and I immediately felt at home I was like this is where I'm supposed to be right now. And I'm telling them this same story, um, probably with even more detail and gibberish and sobbing and crying. And they're just like, "Mm mm-hmm. And (laughs) and they're just like, they're like, yeah, you sound like a social worker. And I was like, but I don't want to be a social worker. Like they don't make money. I want to have a good life. (laughs) I was totally totally dogging on this new career that I absolutely adore. And they were just like, they're like, I know I get it, but trust me, like you'll get into it. You're going to love it. You'll understand. And I was like, okay, fine. So changing my major, I get into social work and it's like the best thing that could have happened to me. And honestly, and I just want to interject here, like when it comes to social workers, the ones that I really had uh, close contact relationships with, whether it's you, my old boss, Alan, that you know, Jill, you, um, when, when we look at the social workers that I know, I really like kind of believe that this is that magic injection that you were looking for to solve the issues of addiction and, and the mental health and everything else as long as a like we're actually listening to what you guys are saying you know what i mean and then secondly like putting that into good practice and using empathy when we do it i think that like you guys are like the beasts of the world <laughs> like understand that i think i i'm totally in awe with the way that uh with the way that you guys do things i've, I've had you know some you know interactions with some other ones but but for the most part, like I'm like super. Not all super. social workers are great. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. That's that was the because there's that in every field. Yeah. Right. But the if you stick to what it is, mm-hmm. yeah, it's an excellent field. Yeah. And definitely. I talked to one one time. I just want to say like this is a person I would never go to. She's like, oh, you work for one of those nonprofits that think you're doing something. I'm like, oh shit, oh. <laughs> we're gonna have a talk. Oh, <laughs> you're like, Ooh. you know what? I do think I'm doing. Something. I hope this yeah. person hears me say that and says, is that? Am, I who he's talking about? Uh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> You're one of the awful ones. I, wow. You're I the only cannot. one that said it, so it's definitely you. <laughs> I cannot believe they would. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. Some people are pretty um, unkind sometimes, but there's usually a reason for that, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> there's usually a reason for that. That person yeah. may have had a negative experience with an agency that thought they were doing good, but maybe ignoring the needs that she had. And so... Now she's bitter. Where, she, where she's from, I can understand that. <laughs> yeah, she's a human underneath it all. Not the way we treat people, but right. still human. <laughs> Listen to you going all social work on us. Got it, okay? <laughs> <laughs> you can't turn it off. <laughs> I, um, as a social worker, love the the humor and avoiding the field that is the calling because of the income that is associated with it, which is a whole other conversation to have, not on this (laughs) podcast, but, but yes, something that is, um, important to discuss. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) But I'm glad you, uh, trusted, uh, Megan and Robin and guiding you a little bit there in your story. I, without them, 
I don't know where I would be. I don't know what I'd be doing, but I probably wouldn't be as happy as I am. Um, they, I know Robin is big in the community and I'm sure people who are listening to this will be like, Oh yeah, Robin. So she just was like, just took me under her wing. Megan and her both just took me under their wing and we're just like, we're going to get you through this because you are struggling hard right now and we are going, you are going to graduate. And I was just like, okay. I was like, I have two F's on my first semester and a very expensive college. (laughs) Oh yeah. I was like, I can't like you, I need help. Like, what do I do? So social work classes a's nothing lower like and i was i've never gotten an a in my life and i was just like well shit like (laughs) this is where i'm supposed to be like i can do this like it's not science it's not math like i can i can do this and um so yeah i ended up graduating and they made me student of the year and I was just like oh were you I was congratulations thank you I was so embarrassed (laughs) I I can't tell by your tone right now at all (laughs) I was just like "Eh, me why (laughs) and they're just and they were "Eh." because you started with two f's and graduated (laughs) I'm sorry (laughs) yeah found your calling had this career that you absolutely adore I don't I can't put together why based on the things you've you've shared why that might be I have no idea Um, they probably have even more reasons than that I'm sure but I just I don't know anytime I talk about myself I'm just like no not me so Mm -hmm. um so yeah so I graduated and then I ended up at Case Hawaii, uh, university and with my to get my master's and um, I'm almost done with that and I like we were just kind of talking about have met some not so great social workers mm-hmm. in um, my hometown and I was just like oh that's why this town is like this because <laughs> like here like I understand the politics and the constant like battle back and forth of the nonprofits that don't do anything and the nonprofits that do everything and like not and they're I can't say that because I think all the nonprofit, most of the nonprofits around here are. I think around here were phenomenal. Are like totally amazing. It's that, I think feel like there's such a fire in the grassroots size of the nonprofits in a town this small as Finley, Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. whereas um, larger organizations can become a lot more bureaucratic. Yeah, and so we get the one I talked to was in Richland County, and they're like even their Adamus board is like. Yeah. You can't see my face, listeners, but it's not good. <laughs> you yeah. just called them right out. <laughs> yeah, I won't say the agency that I was with, but it was everything here is so close knit. And like at Hope House, there's like five social workers. The CEO is in the building. You know, everybody right. like the same with focus, like you just know everyone and everyone is comfortable talking to whoever is there and like it's just a community and you just are it's just easy like I don't want to say easy but like people just talk to you and you're just like okay like if, yeah if this is what you need you just need to talk to me today that's totally cool mm-hmm. but also with the pandemic going on I learned how to do direct practice one-on-one therapy over zoom and zoom only so do i feel prepared for real social work and doing direct practice not at all it's all real social work (laughs) (laughs) but i totally get what you mean (laughs) but i'm like where's my office like we're like having little play things and fidgets and stuff I'm like I want my office I want to have like coloring books I want to have fun with my clients and then it's just sitting over zoom and staring at each other and being like it's not how are you I'm fine okay anything you want to talk about Eh. okay (laughs) (laughs) just pulling teeth yeah 
Um, so this organization is huge. It's all of Northeast Ohio and it's spreading this direction as well. And, um, the president and CEO don't even live in Ohio. (laughs) So it's like, if we're trying to contact them, if we're, they're three hours behind us, like if there's an emergency and we really need to talk to them or, you know, like get a hold of them, it's like impossible. Like they have no idea what's going on. I got a nice $15 gas card from the president for Christmas and I was like, oh, that's cool. Never met the man, never like, <laughs> never heard anything from him again. That and funny I was, to you? And I was Larry's like, already, you're dying. <laughs> I was just like, cool, thanks. <laughs> like my supervisor would give us like candy and I'm just like, is this just like, it just felt like corporate America where you're just like you work a crappy job and they're like here's some candy to make you feel better oh, I, that's my favorite is like <clears throat> it's like I know we're really understaffed but I did buy you a pizza yeah so exactly. that should make it better right yeah. we realize like, you have no time to eat it while it's hot right yeah that's exactly, exactly. what it's like yeah you're not gonna get there until your shift is over but yeah. I hope you want the stale cold pizza at that yeah. point from that's little been Caesars. picked over mm-hmm. yeah, from- <laughs> <laughs> nothing about little Caesars I love Little Caesars <laughs> for, little for what Caesars. it is. Yes. I love Little Caesars for what it is, but also um, I've heard good things about um, they're giving back to the their community. They actually they they do so, yeah. have two buses that they like give away free pizzas to homeless people. Yeah, so I can't dog on no, a Little no, Caesars. No, 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 no. Love Little Caesars. <laughs> <laughs> so, Not a sponsor. So you're at Case Western right now. I am. Um, are you're on the online program? Um, technically, I'm a full time on campus, but pandemic, it was so, all over Zoom. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So, um, when do you finish? August thirteenth. Oh, August thirteenth. So, like Not that, I'm counting down right now. <laughs> what? What? Um, I'm curious. Did you choose the mental health track then? I chose the substance use and recovery track. Substance use and recovery track. I didn't know they. Ha- oh, they have different tracks depending they have, on their depending on if it's online or yeah, some are available yeah. in different ways. So mm-hmm. very very cool. Yeah. So congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> I. I think that if I had gotten to go to campus and like actually done college, I would have enjoyed it a lot more because I kind of hate it a lot right now. <laughs> but we made it. We got two classes left and then we're done. Mm-hmm. But it was it was not good. No one prepared me for master's <laughs> for master's degrees. So. It's a uh, it's I also go to Case Western Reserve mm-hmm. and I'm almost done um, with my program completely different track yeah i'm online the the intensive weekends or just online okay i don't even know what my track is called it's like the community practice one though mm-hmm. so completely different coursework completely different um but it online being zoom the whole time it's during a pandemic is very exhausting not not enough can be said about the toll that this pandemic has really taken on our capacity across the board yeah capacity to learn capacity to to just have the energy (laughs) to to, live yeah to just do normal (laughs) things like go to the grocery store yeah like um it's so yeah no no shame in that no i know and for the longest time like because you're not in a classroom you're not talking to people and we're all just struggling but like no one's talking about it and then we finally started a group chat and everyone's just like are you like about to jump off of a bridge and we're all just like yeah <laughs> and we're all just like okay cool so we're Dark all humor and social work <laughs> yes, always and we're all just like okay cool so we're all like struggling we're all in the same like boat right now we're like yeah, yeah i don't know what's going on my Wi-Fi sucks. Our professor's Wi-Fi sucks. Like, it was a whole, oh, my God. It was so bad. And they're all so old. And, like, no offense to old people, but <laughs> some of y'all just are not technology-prone, and it's frustrating, to say the least. I know you're not talking <clears throat> to me. No, not at all, Larry. Larry, the, the computer the old guy. guy. <laughs> Larry, the computer guy. You're the most tech savvy in the room, I'm sure. No doubt in my mind. And the oldest. And the oldest. I'm talking like 70 up. <laughs> like, 
trying to watch these professors like share their screen and like do all these like whiteboard and all this stuff and it oh my god it was it was a mess i'm sure that that was um a difficult transition for them because oh yeah they um weren't hired to do that no whereas i'm in the online program they were hired to do that yeah Yeah. (laughs) so that's a much different situation um but anyway yeah (laughs) (laughs) kind of off topic but anyway yeah so um your story really took you into your life's work yes yeah very much i'm really i didn't um say earlier as you were sharing but i'm really sorry to hear about the loss of your brother um grief is a forever thing and so i'm not gonna sit here and tell you that it gets better necessarily (laughs) it gets Um, easier it does not get better (laughs) it's uh my favorite visual and i'll try my best to describe this since you can't see what i'm sharing but um is that grief will stay the same size and it's us that grow around the Mm -hmm. grief yeah and Mm -hmm. we're the ones that change but the grief doesn't yeah we're the ones that get stronger and maybe maybe there are days that we're we're having a a down day and so that grief feels a lot bigger even Mm -hmm. though it's always stays the same size yeah it's always the same hurt and that same loss yeah definitely so i know you're years into it yeah but um I am sorry to hear that happened to your family. Yeah, thank you. It, it was obviously life-altering for all of us. Um, I'm sure. Especially my parents. And my parents, too, have completely changed their tone, completely changed. They have their own grief support group for parents who have lost children to overdose. Yes, yep. And... You know, they try to wrap me into it. They're like, you're a social worker. I'm just like, no, <laughs> this is this is your project. I'm not, I'll come and talk or like whatever, but this is your, this is your thing. And they've met a lot of amazing people through this. And we always say, you know, like, well, I say a lot that I realize that this is where I was always supposed to end up. Like I always, looking back, Mm -hmm. I'm always, I was always that person that was like, there's somebody on the corner. I'm like begging my parents to give them money. My dad and I would go um, to St. Malachi in Cleveland and feed the homeless people Thanksgiving dinner. Like homelessness is something that pisses me off to no end because it just should not exist in this country let alone anywhere else but um so that was always a big passion of mine and like growing up I've realized like that I've had these passions for a long time for helping people and wanting to um save them which Ellen was like you can't this isn't a field for saving people it's a field for helping people and that took me a long time to be like to really understand and I learned a lot of that at focus with some of the housing people that we had and everything and just the the first time that I had someone relapse and in the housing and we had to kick them out I was at first I was like, holy shit, I just did like real social work. Like I'm not just sitting and watching. Like I was a part of this. Like I talked to them. I like Ellen and I like talked with them a lot and tried to get them, you know, to realize what was going to happen if they kept doing this. And, you know, we did our best, but at the end, and this was very early in the semester. So I was still wrapping my head around everything. And I went to Walmart after uh, my internship and I was buying my groceries and I dropped a thing of blueberries and they went everywhere and I just started sobbing. And they were like, they're like, it's okay. It happens. It happens all the time. They're like, it's fine. It's fine. I'm like, oh my God. And they're just like, it's okay. Don't worry about it. I'm just like, oh my God. They're like, addiction's not okay. (laughs) So I'm just like crying. I don't know what's happening. And they they get me another thing of blueberries. And I'm just like, thank you. And I'm like walking through the store sobbing. And everyone's just like, 
Okay. She like, loves you, her blueberries. You My good? God. Like, Honestly, what? like one month later, pandemic starts and no one would be worried yeah. about why you're crying <laughs> at the grocery store. Everyone's like, yeah, maybe we get it. Yeah. So I get back up to the cash or the self-checkout. I drop the blueberries again. <laughs> No, the blueberries everywhere, and I'm start. I had finally stopped crying, and now I'm sobbing again, even harder. And I'm like, "You idiot!" And like the, the cashier, she's like, "It's okay, it's fine, it's fine." And I'm like, "But I'm the idiot that did it over there too." And she's just like, "She's like, it's okay, it happens. These things are so flimsy. It's okay. They are flimsy. Just, that's she's real." Like, she's like, "Do you want another one?" I was like, "No, I'm not supposed to have blueberries." <laughs> so folks. I feel like that was the universe telling you. Like, today is not the day for you to have blueberries. Right, but it sounds like you're like, you were trying to sneak them, and that's why you kept dropping them. And I was like, you know what? I'm not even supposed to have them. I just thought, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to keep the blueberries. And it didn't work out two times. Sorry, it's not that funny. It is funny. It's okay. So I I finished checking out. I go to my car. I bought a bunch of junk food because I felt like shit. And I'm sitting in my car eating, like, I don't even remember what it was. It was some type of, like... They're like pre-made like orange chicken or something and a piece of cheesecake. And I'm just shoving him in my face, crying. And I call Ellen and I'm like, I can't do this. I don't want to do this anymore. I can't save people, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, Samantha. But she never called me Samantha. And I was just like, oh shit, Ellen's mad. (laughs) I was like, she's like, it's oh. Okay, and I'm like, oh, the blueberries. And she's just like, I'm like telling her this. She's laughing at me, and I'm just like, I'm like, I don't know, I can't do this. I can't do this. And she's like, it's fine. This is like your first two weeks. <laughs> You're gonna be okay. And I was like, I can't do this. I can't work here. And she's like, she's like, just go home, go to sleep. I'll talk to you tomorrow. And I was just like, I don't know coming in she's like you're coming in i know where you live i will come get you and i was just like okay i'll be there so like <laughs> under threat of coercion i will be there <laughs> i was just like crying and just stuffing my face and feeling awful about myself and then i went back the next day and i was just like oh, okay we're good now <laughs> and she's just like she's like she told me some st- I can't remember what it was now, but it was a similar story of like her first internship and her first couple weeks and how she like was like, yeah, this isn't for me. I can't do this. And then she was like, look at me now. It's <laughs> just like, yeah, I was like, I, I get it. And she we got through it. But yeah, I, I love that story because it's just so ridiculous that like. I just dropped these blueberries and I'm just like, oh my, my life is over. Oh, I think that we have all had a <laughs> dropping of blueberries moment in our lives yes. where we're yeah. like, I can't do anything. <laughs> I remember once that happened for me and it was because um, my car door fell back onto me and I was like, I can't even clean my car. I can do nothing. <laughs> and it's just as simple as the car door just, yeah. just the car door just shut. Yeah. I, I'm very, I I relate to you very much. Yes. I, yeah. <laughs> this is why it's so it. funny to me. Yeah, I know. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So here you are now. You have suffered a great loss mm-hmm. and turned it into life work and purpose and are giving back to others that are struggling, not just the not just the people with a diagnosis but also to their loved ones. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we forget about loved ones. And so I appreciate you coming in here today to share your story from that loved one's perspective and how it altered your life trajectory, really. Mm -hmm. Because I don't think loved ones get the the limelight, the spotlight enough in that way. Um, Especially siblings. Yeah. It's very, you know, and I didn't care because, like, to me... I couldn't imagine what my parents were feeling like I can't imagine because they they had so much trouble having us in the first place Mm -hmm. and then to lose your child at any age at any age you don't want to to you don't even want to think about that you want to outlive your children exactly and you don't even want to think about that you don't even like 
never. And so I've always been like, I can't imagine what you're going through. And to them, they're like, I can't imagine what you're going through because that's right. losing your brother right. and a friend and a lifetime like um, companion, you know, someone that, you know, is supposed to be there for you and, you know, and now it's just me. And so, you know, people would come up to me, they'd be like, how are your parents? How are your parents? How are your parents? And I'm just like, what do you think? <laughs> like, right. I was very crass at the time. I was just like, oh, they're great. Everything's fine. We're doing great. Thanks for asking. And they'd be nothing about me. They're just like, okay. I'm like, yeah, I agree with you. And that is that we forget about siblings. Um, I always uh, hesitate before I mention anything about the work that I do at NAMI because I very uh, much so want to refrain from shameless plugs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but that's something that like we make sure that we emphasize when we talk about our family support group or our family to family, that it is not just for family members. It's for right. loved ones. Yes. Because if I don't care if you are a roommate, a coworker, mm -hmm. like a, a neighbor, cousin, girlfriend, boyfriend, partner in any way whatsoever, your friend ele from elementary school, I do not care. Yeah. It impacts you in some way, shape or form. And you deserve to be cared about in that way. You deserve for people to understand that it affects right. you yeah. no matter what your role is in that person's life. It doesn't have to be a parent or, you know, by blood even. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It, that per If a person mattered to you, it's going to impact you. Yeah. You said that way better than I was going to. I'm gonna tell you that right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've thought about it a lot, so. Right. <laughs> it's It's something that I feel strongly about and so I've really changed my language always to say loved ones like mm -hmm. it's for loved ones yeah because yeah. it's your loved one it, mm -hmm. that's why it impacts you it doesn't impact you because it's blood right, right. it impacts yeah. you is because it's your loved one yeah and like I had said earlier you know his co-workers coming to the house and you know friends that we right. didn't even know he had we were just like All you know I haven't seen you since you were like this tall <laughs> like right I haven't seen you since you guys were in elementary school together we didn't even know that you guys like still knew each other and they were like oh yeah like we talk sometimes and we we're just like oh okay and so yeah um yeah I like that I'll keep that in mind for you know referring to loved ones and not just family and not just um yeah it's raining really hard is that what that noise is so. it is raining very hard right now um, <laughs> but yeah i i so i i guess i'm just expressing my deep appreciation mm -hmm. of you sharing here this is our first kind of a loved one's perspective and how this altered their life um, on this right. podcast. So you'll be I'm the sorry. first story um, that our listeners get to hear awesome. on that. So, yeah. So thank you. Yeah, thank um, you, guys. Yeah. I think, uh, do you have anything else you'd like to share that you have pressing on your mind to uh, make sure we or our listeners hear? I just want to reiterate the pain to purpose aspects that I mentioned mm -hmm. at the beginning. Absolutely. It is so you can do it like you can you can be at the lowest point in your life and you can find a way to turn that around and make it meaningful and purposeful to you yeah like it's hard like i'm not when i look back on it and how i talk about it it seems like school was easy for me or you know i got through it and i got a's and all my papers and my for all my social work classes and everything but it was hard. I cried a lot. <laughs> I questioned what I was doing a lot. But you, once you find your way to make it better, whatever that looks like for you, whatever you need, whatever you feel like you need to do to get yourself through this, mm -hmm. just do it. Like whether that's school, whether that's helping out at a nonprofit, whether that's helping, you know, just giving money to somebody that you see on the street, start small, start, you know, you'll feel good. It's, it, it just feels good. Like, mm -hmm. and yeah, you know, we've mentioned a lot that it sucks at the same time, but it's just, it's so worth it when you get to see a client or someone that you've seen on the corner a lot or, um, you know, just somebody that you've seen struggling and you made that small impact into their life and that right. changed them and it, now it's changing you. 
Um, so yeah, turn that pain into purpose and it, you'll get through it and you'll, I don't want to say that you'll be happy, but (laughs) you'll be happier and you'll, you'll see the changes that you've made in your life and the people around you just by making those small steps. Right. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. And I just want to close by saying, first of all, thank you very much for sharing. We really appreciate that. And to our listeners, tune in next time for more inspirational stories from the recovery community. Thank you. Thank you. You have been listening to the I Am Somebody podcast, a collaborative project with Focus Recovery and Wellness Community, NAMI Hancock County, and LGBTQ plus Spectrum of Finley. If you or someone you know is in need of emergency services, call 911. If you are feeling suicidal, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. If you are facing a crisis situation, you can connect with a crisis counselor by texting HOME, H-O-M-E, to 741741. If you are in Hancock County, Ohio, you can call Focus Recovery and Wellness Community at 419-423-5071 from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. Monday through Saturday. NAMI Hancock County can be reached at 567 525-3435, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Monday through Friday. Support for LGBTQ plus youths and adults can be found at LGBTQ plus Spectrum of Finley by emailing contact at spectrumoffinleylgbt.org. Outside of Hancock County, Ohio, you can use the internet to search for recovery community organizations or contact NAMI National at 800 950-6264 from 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. Monday through Friday. LGBTQ plus youths can contact the Trevor Hotline at 866-488-7386. If you are a victim of domestic violence, please call 800-799-7233. If you are a victim of sexual assault, please call 800-656-4673. Your hosts today were Larry Betts and Bailey Kerr. Marketing support was provided by Amber Keir. I'm your compare, Jazz Bradley. This podcast was made possible by the support of Associated Charities. The song used for the I Am Somebody podcast is A Walk in the Light by Zach Fletcher. The song was used under permission by the copyright holder. Thank you for listening. I am somebody.